today on Voices of Courage, Walk the Talk with your host, Brandy J. I have an amazing guest with me. He is the host of the Information Man Speaks podcast. It's an honor for me to have him here because I met him when I very first began this journey in podcasting world and have learned a lot from him. So I am very, very excited for you guys to tune in and to check out my guest, the host of Information Man Speaks podcast. Here we go. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. This is Brandy J, your host of Voices of Courage, Walk the Talk. And today I have with me a well over. This is the host of Information Man podcast. This is the Information Man himself. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? This is uh, this is he himself. Information Man speaks podcast. Uh, I definitely uh, have a podcast out there. Definitely go ahead and check it out when you have that opportunity. I'm on basically all the basic things out there, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much everything that's out there as far as podcasting platforms you can find me on. I'm also the main host of a YouTube channel that goes by the name of Information Man Show. I started off as a YouTuber first. And sort of made my way into podcasting as well. And um, that's a channel that I go into a lot of hard-hitting um, social and political commentary. Uh, normally on the weekends, I go live and stream live on that channel. So, uh, Brandy, thank you for letting me uh, come on board. I know it's been a while. You've been trying to get me on. And um, definitely need to come on more often with you. And uh, I'm, glad to, I'm glad to be here. So thank you. Yes, no problem. Like I said, well overdue, you know, you're like the, one of the first, you know, uh, podcast of YouTubers that I, you know, had, uh, you know, uh, came across, you know, and I was supposed to come on your show, had problems. I had audio problems, <laughs> but uh, what matters is that we're here now and uh, most definitely happy to have you here. So can you tell our listeners, um, what do well? You just told us, you know, the topics and stuff that you cover. But what what was it that made you even want to start, you know, YouTubing and podcasting? Well, what basically happened with me, I'll give you the short version, is that uh, <clears throat> I have a friend of mine who lives in uh, lived in D.C. He got married and he lives in uh, Tennessee with his wife. We started off uh, doing internet radio. We were a fixture on a, a program called U.S. Uh, News. It was uh, run and uh, produced by Lee Michaels. He's one of the top uh, radio producers in the business. He had a, he was producing a few internet radio shows. Uh, there was a, 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 a beautiful lady by the name of Janice Graham who had a show. Uh, she still runs that show out of Blog Talk Radio. And we used to call in and be a fixture. And I used to always talk about all the social issues that were happening at that time. So we're talking about like the early 80s, late 2000s, the late 90s or into the early uh, 2000s. Primarily, then me and Lions, then he goes by the name Lions, then we decided to uh, he he created a blog talk radio program. I became his co-host. 
he was the lead at, and then over a period of time we were doing that um and then i had been on youtube for a long time but i had never opened up a channel i just was a person that was observing different cha- different channels different youtube channels and so i decided to go ahead and take the bold approach to create my own youtube channel because one i didn't like what what i was hearing on the quote unquote mainstream news all the BS that you hear on MSNBC, CNN, and what I like to call is Fox propaganda news. And I wanted to tell a perspective, particularly from a black perspective, a black male perspective, um, and get at issues that you're not going to hear being presented to you on regular news in the way that I present it. I'm hardcore. I'm hard cutting. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm not going to hold back any punches. And I'm not going to say anything just to uh, make people feel comfortable. I'm going to say the things that are uncomfortable at times, some things that can be polarizing. And so that's how I begin to get into that. And then I discovered uh, Spreaker. That's what I use as my host of my podcast to distribute it to all the different platforms uh, like you're doing here with Anchor. And then from there, I just took off and um, start building my audience up over a period of long time little bit at a time and uh that's how i got into it okay interesting cool you said a lot of familiar uh platforms like blog talk i didn't know many people knew knew about that but i guess that goes way back okay well the topics that you talk about and you talk about a plethora of topics but the the hard-hitting ones you know from stuff that's going on now you know, preview, just you hit it, you hit them all. And the one thing that that mainly stands out to me is tell the truth. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me let me um, give you a little preview of that. What I'm going to do here, hang on for a minute. I'm going to. Okay. Um, oh, here we go. I'm going to give you guys a, a special effect that I always play on my show. And if I can uh, get to that, oh, here we go. And this is what I usually play on my show a lot. Tell the truth. I play that tell the truth. Tell the truth. Okay, or we got this one right here. Tell the truth. And the reason why I say that is because um, it goes back to what I said, Brandy. You have to... Uh, What I do with my podcast and what I do with my YouTube channel as well is that my thinking, my philosophy is that people deep down inside, although some people accept lies, but I think deep down inside there are people out there who would really just like to hear the truth. And we live in a society where we are taught that we got to be politically correct. Watch what you say. But there's a segment of our society that is starving for someone to be authentic, to say it like it is. And sometimes when you're telling the truth, you're not going to make a lot of friends. Sometimes when you're telling the truth, it's going to actually pump people up because they're saying for the first time, someone is saying it just the way I'm thinking it. So that's the Raleigh cry on my channel, on my podcast as well that I, I, I want to tell the truth as best as I can. Yes, yes. And then that's why I love when I hear tell the truth. To me, it's like a 
somebody in church saying amen or you know like giving it you know like yes the truth uh-huh. that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> most definitely and you know also with telling the truth even more now there's a whole lot of censorship a whole lot of it i know you have been up against that too censorship or just you know just straight out just taking somebody's show down and how, how do you feel about that? Like, what does, does that really, that speaks, that cries out truth, right? When someone, when you're censored or just the show is just taking off. Oh, what can I say? Um, I don't appreciate it. Let me just say this. Censorship is a big, uh, it's a big issue. I know Donald Trump got censored off of uh, Twitter and uh, that site called Parler, uh, Facebook, all these different sites due to the uh, the uh, the breach or the insurrection, as people are calling it, at the Capitol that took place. Um, one of the things that that bothers me about Donald Trump being censored, although I do believe that his language the things that he's been doing has been inflammatory. But my position is that if they do it to Donald Trump, even if we don't like the things that are coming out of his mouth, clearly, I don't like what comes out of his mouth um, at all to keep it a hundred and ten percent real with you. Even if we don't like that, it still doesn't change the fact that we all can be censored just the same. If they can do it to a president who's on his way out the door, they can do it to us. Now I, I'm going to be honest with you, Brandy, because it's about telling the truth. Tell the truth. See, a lot of people have blame when it comes to this censorship of Donald Trump, because Donald Trump for the last four years was saying a lot of things that were not true for years for the four years he's been in office uh facebook knew it twitter knew it because there were times when they had to remove some of his posts so all these different social medias they knew what donald trump was about they knew the inflammatory things that were coming out of his mouth you know what i'm saying and they waited to do it to him now. You know why? Because it was socially expedient to do it. Because why? Because of what he did. And they had to save themselves some face by making it look like they were doing the right thing to take the monkey off of their back when, in fact, social medias in this country were just as responsible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it just like it is. They were just as responsible for their behavior as Donald Trump. Because remember, mass media loved Donald Trump because he was what? He was good for their ratings. Mm -hmm. So they actually fed into the monster. Yes, 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 yes. He was not alone in that. <laughs> no, he was he was not alone in, in his nonsense. And and and, yeah. and I'm just being I've gotta be a I gotta be uh 
You know, it's about being honest. It's about telling the truth. And uh, I'm going to be honest about that. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I find it. Um, I remember way back when we did a story on, on, a, on a man uh, that was uh, the prison story. And when that was taken down and that was my very first like kind of exposure to how how this game is played you know and something that's so so important you know and I, I sat back and I thought what if that was me what if that was my child you know like this needs to be this is something that needs to be talked about this is harsh you know and for something like that just to be taken down it just made me look at social media and the media in general a whole lot different and what they choose to what they won't show and what they will you know how how does that what's your thoughts on that when they censor things that that you know are so important and life-changing you know something that in that situation do you remember that one repeat what you were saying again uh brandy the uh the prison um the the segment that we had that you had put up that I had talked to you about with the young the gentleman that was in um, jail with the COVID and you had presented it you put it up and they just took yeah, it down just, just because he was uh <laughs> once again it was another situation where uh truth was being told it appeared that they didn't want that truth to get out there. And they basically uh, they basically censored and took the video down because he was exposing what was really going on in the prison. Yeah. Yep. That that to me really uh, affected me, and that's when I saw like, wow, this is this is this is the game we're playing here, and you know that ended up coming out on the news. And someone sat at home and they recognized their family member they'd been looking mm-hmm. for. And he could not get any information out of them. So he just sped off uh, to wherever, you know, the, the, to the prison. I, I didn't hear anything else after that because they wouldn't answer any of his questions about his brother that he had been looking for. And to me, that shows that, you know, that helped, you know, someone. They needed to see that because they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is crazy to me. So the things that are, what, what's the latest um, topic that you have been discussing that is really taking uh, presidents with, with you? Well, uh, earlier today, I uh, did a YouTube video uh, talking about uh, Joe Biden and his executive orders. And I was expressing that I had a brother that was on with me that I know where uh, pretty well uh, that came on with me by the name of Jeff uh lightens and he's a brother who uh he talks a lot of sports on his channel he's been on uh platforms he's been uh going on dr uh boyce Watkins' channel where he talks about political and social issues and um he works in sports in um what is that western kentucky where he does uh sports anchoring out there and we had a good conversation today uh, talking about the executive orders and the fact of the matter is when you look at the executive orders uh, Joe Biden has he kept promises to certain groups he promised that he was going to do something to help uh, immigrants well he did that with his executive orders then they turned around 
and did something for people of the LGBTQ persuasion. And uh, I'm going to say it right now for the purpose of your show and the purpose of truth. Um, I have nothing against people in their sexuality. They can marry who they want to marry and be who, who they want to mar- be. That's not why I'm saying what I'm saying. What I'm sa- my point being is that cert- uh, certain groups in this country will either demand or ask for what they want and they get it. But for some reason, when you are a black, a black person in America, especially if you're, a- if you're ADOS, ADOS, American Descendants of Slavery, uh, you ask for tangibles to come our way and we don't get it. What we have in his plan is a people of color plan where he took the uh, all lift all voices plan where he had black people, he had Latinos. And if you read the both of the plans on his website, it's the same plan. There's nothing distinguishable about what black people need versus what Latino people need. Now, of course, there are universal things. We all need help. We need jobs. Those basic things, good schools for our kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. However, uh, black people for the longest have been asking for things that are tailored to our agenda because we stock lock and barrel have been voting for the Democratic or what I call the Democrats for a very long time. So in the case right now, I give you the numbers. Black men voted for Joe Biden between 86 and 87 percent. Black women voted for Joe Biden at 93%. When black men were saying that they were going to go ahead and vote for uh, for Trump, people went buck wow and criticized black men for this. We got the criticism that came at us from black women, our own women, and as well as other black men. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that black men did not vote for Donald Trump overwhelmingly. We voted for Joe Biden overwhelmingly, just as we did for um, Hillary Clinton. Although she lost when uh, Donald Trump only got 8% of the black vote. So what I, when you look at other ethnic groups, Latinos, Hispanics, they were voting for Trump between 35, 36, you know, 32% somewhere in there. Other racial groups, which they, they want to lump us into this people of color ideology now all of a sudden is what the Democrats are pushing other groups are not voting for Democrats at the levels that black people are voting for the Democratic Party. Even when you look at the uh, white community, white women voted for Donald Trump around 55%. White men voted for Donald Trump close to 60% damn near in this election. Okay? He got 70 million votes. That's a hell of a lot of votes. Somebody believes in him. And, 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 And for anybody out there that's listening to your podcast, and thinks that, well, this guy must be a Republican or something. No, I don't like the Republicans. I don't like the Democrats. Both of them screw you. One with Vaseline, I'd be the, re- the Democrats. One without Vaseline, I'd be the, the, re- uh, the, re- the Republicans. I, I, don't, I don't like our political discourse today. I don't like what I have seen for 51 years of my life when year after year, black people, we vote for Democrats. They take our votes for granted. We ask for tangibles. We don't get it. What we do get is symbolic symbols. So uh, when you look at Kamala Harris, she becomes a symbolic symbol, which was used to really um, gravitate towards black women because black women were the ones who primarily got very excited. And that's been our problem as a people is that we get too caught up in symbolism. 
right? Even when you had the beautiful young lady, and I said this today, you had a beautiful young lady who was giving out beautiful poems like a Maya Angelou type, and I thought she was fantastic, right? Then you had uh, Obama and Michelle. They came walking in. She had the stunning red outfit on, all that stuff like that. That's great, but guess what? It's symbolism. It's the stuff that we get all excited about that we talk about at the water cooler on Monday or we talk about at the barber shop or the beauty shop. It's symbolism. It ain't putting money in your pocket. It ain't it ain't the tangibles that black people black people need. It sounds good, it feels good. We need action, less talk. And so and that's why I have I have become very cynical when it comes to our quote unquote so-called black leadership, particularly coming out of the congressional black caucus, because um, my question is, what are they doing for us lately? And so I'm not saying that um, I'm not saying that the Republicans don't do things bad. The Democrats have done bad. I'm not saying that there, there aren't democratic leaderships leaders that haven't done anything that's been good for us but i'm saying as of right now joe biden still owes black people a greater attitude i'm gonna tell you why i'm gonna say this and and be quiet for your next question one it was black people that got him over the top in south carolina when when uh clyburn was buck dancing to get him through it was black people in the south that voted for him it was black people in milwaukee black people in philadelphia black people in georgia all those swing states that Donald Trump tried to lie if, within his racism, saying that all oh, these, oh, these are states where they cheated. Yeah, Qu- uh, isn't it quite a coincidence that he chooses states where a lot of black people really came out and voted by absentee, mind you? And that's when all those extra votes were coming in that changed the tide. So black people really put Joe Biden over the top. If it had not been for the for the for black society this time around joe biden would not be sitting in that white house right now with kamala harris it would be make america great again <laughs> okay mm-hmm. uh, donald trump would still be in that white house i got to i got to i got to play it again we will make america great again you see so that's what you would have in the white house right now Hmm. Hell, that's true. Yeah, yeah. He never lied about that, most definitely. And uh, we always go overlooked when it comes down to making making change. And uh, the black community, we really don't like you. You spoke very importantly the the whole symbolism thing. We get caught up in that, and they know that, and we get all like honorable, like yeah, you know, you you see it, and you but you completely forget the 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 whole struggle the message what's really important like the we're not asking or speaking out you know about the right things or questions or we just kind of roll with it they flash some stuff in front of us we feel good about it and then we just silence (laughs) you know and roll with it like our youth especially our young black youth I, I, you know, from a teacher standpoint, you know, I feel like things have to and must change because this is our next generation. And it's from from your father and from where you said, what what is it that you feel 
for our, our young ones, our next voters, you know, the ones be leaving high school, that they that we need to focus in on so that they can carry the torch, if that makes sense. Okay, it goes back to what I was saying on my YouTube program today. I think we need to get our kids prepared to be entrepreneurs, to have ownership. I'm going to tell you why, because we're in a lot of trouble. Too often with black people, well, let me correct, let let me rephrase what I'm about to say. I don't like to generalize everybody. Too often some black people, some of our people, prepare our kids just to go to school and get a job. Too often, too many of our people prepare our kids to go to school and we hope that they get a basketball or a football or some type of athletic scholarship. We hope that they go to school and get to the NBA or the NFL or some type of professional sport where mama can get that big house she's been waiting on. And and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with our kids being involved in extracurricular activities such as music and sports. But what I'm saying is I think black people need to get a change of mindset, meaning we need to be preparing our kids to be business people, to be owners. Because what I notice within the white community is that while our kids are growing up with the aspirations to be a professional athlete and play on a basketball team, for example, and make a big, big million dollar contract, white people are preparing their kids to own the damn team while you prepare your kid to just be a damn player. If they can, if LeBron James is making a hundred million dollar contract, for example, with the Lakers, for example, or any team, if, if the owner of that basketball team can afford to give him a hundred million dollar contract and give other guys on that team, maybe 20 million, 7 million, 8 million for this guy, whatever it may be. Then what do you think Brandy, the owner of the team is making? Oof. Oh dear. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. The owner. <laughs> so why so I think we should be training our kids to be owners of industry and not just uh participants uh in it. Be owners. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of a few reasons. One, uh one reason is because that's what Booger T. Washington was pushing back in the day where you had W. E. Du Bois who was talking about the talented 10 and about going to school and educating yourself, and that the cream at the top of us who go to school and educate ourselves will be the ones that will rise to the top. Now, you can say it sounds a little elitist, but that's what um, uh, W.E. Du Bois was pushing the whole thing about talented 10, which meaning you know, the best of us that educate ourselves can, go, can propel ourselves forward. And that's very true because remember, when black people came out of slavery into Reconstruction, They didn't allow us to read. They didn't want us to have education. So I can understand why W.E. Du Bois, who was not that far removed from being a slave himself or his family, I can understand why they were pushing the ideology of go to school and get an education because that's the way to freedom financially and everything. I understand that because for so long we were deprived of those opportunities. But when you look at a Booger T. Washington's philosophy, because both him and W.E. Du Bois had a battle back and forth. And on W.E. Du Bois' deathbed, when he passed away, he said he regretted all the arguments and disagreement that he had with Booger T. Washington. Why? Because Booger T. Washington, his philosophy was, we need to be focusing on ownership, 
economic development and owning our own business and owning our own land. That was his philosophy. And when you look at it today, you look at where we are as a, as a race of people today in America, I think we actually should have followed the Booger T. Washington ideology, not so much of the Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, you know, W.E. Du Bois's, and this is the reason why. We've got a lot of black people that have gone to school and have got college education. It really hasn't changed the median income of black people in America. We've got black folks that's got college debt. We've got black women who have probably more degrees than even black men, but most, but even black women who have this education, they're struggling too. And there's already been, there's already been studies and documents that have come out that, um, especially if you are a woman, you stand a better chance in developing wealth and, and having certain things be better in your life if you have a mate, if you're married, because now you have double the income coming in. That even so, there's all kinds of statistics about this. So I bring that up because I'm bringing the foundation of where this comes from. Now, many thought that W.E. and many thought that Booger T. Washington was a sellout because he was kind of on a conservative kind of level, but a lot of people didn't know that he was secretly funding what you would call what we would call radical groups during the 1900s when he was alive doing his thing. Okay. So he was supporting these groups under the ground while at the same time pushing independence. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because of this. And you've heard me talk about this on my program. You saw what I just said tonight. Joe Biden has signed an executive order to bring in 11 million more immigrants that will come in. Now, this is what I'm trying to say. Once again, I preface myself. I'm not hating on the immigrants. This isn't racism. This isn't, I'm not hating on them. What I'm looking at is that what is the economic Im Im impact on black people in America who originally built this damn place, who were given, who were brought over here as slaves in some cases, some of us were indigenously here already because that's a whole nother story I could go into for a whole nother day because there's theories out there that, uh, that, that not all black people in America came from Africa as slaves, that there were those of us that were already here as indigenous. And there's evidence, I'm going to be doing a show about this very soon, there is evidence to show that what they did is they reclassified a lot of black people and called us Negroes. And, and so that. we've been reclassified and I got the documentation because one of the places in this country where they were reclassifying black people was in Virginia. So I got the guy who was behind it. I got all the data and all the information. So some of us come from an ancestry that was already here and we got reclassified when they start bringing black folks over from the continent and when they start using terms like Negro, nigga, all this kind of terms. And remember, race and all these terms that we use today are nothing but social constructs. Hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago, when uh, people weren't calling each other by colors of their skin. They identified by their tribe and by the culture they came from. Now, when, when immigrants come over here, they're not coming over here to be our friend as black people. They're coming over here to get jobs. They're coming over here to compete, to get education. They're coming over here to take care of their own. 
And when they get education and take care of their own and, co and create businesses, as you see many immigrants who come over here and they have businesses or create businesses, guess what, uh, Brandy? They're not hiring black people. You think they're going to bust down the door to hire us? No, they're going to hire their own people. And yep. guess what? I don't begrudge them for doing so. So if we don't prepare our kids to be independent and to be business people themselves, they're going to end up being uh, depending on these immigrants who come over here and get education and open up businesses. They're going to be dependent on them hiring them. Guess what? They're not going to hire them. They're going to hire their own because you know why? Because other ethnic groups already do it now. Yeah. Very, very true. And it's right in front of us when we go into certain businesses. That's uh, that's how it is. You'll see that ethnic, that group, they're the same, you know, they're, they're their own. You don't see uh, in a, a Hispanic restaurant, you're not going to see an African-American or black person. You're not going to see that. You're going to see everybody ha sticks to their own. Right. Yeah. And, and then once again, this is not about hating other people of other ethnic backgrounds. It's just simple logic. What people normally do, you, I mean, you see it. One of the most segregated, let me just say two things here. One, one of the most segregated days in America is on Sunday by church. People are segregated by their religion and the churches that they go to. Another way that you can see this study played out, if you go to high school, me and you both were in high school. What do you see in high school doing recess or doing lunchtime on the yard? You see the nerdy kids hanging out with the nerdy kids. You see the athletes hanging out with the athletes. You see the, the pritzy girls hanging out with the pritzy girls. You see white kids hanging out with the white kids, the black kids pretty much hanging out with themselves. You see it in the cafeteria. You see it in the school overall. And what, what yeah. do those different groups that we put ourselves in? We do what? We, we take care of our own. Yeah. Hell, even bugs and insects and birds on the in the air and, and bugs on the ground and animals on the ground. You don't see, you, how often do you see a squirrel taking care of uh, 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 rabbits? <laughs> no, they're taking care of their own. That yeah. is the innate nature to take care of those that have your lightness and kind in your values and your culture. Yeah. Yeah. And you tend to know what, what your struggle or what you've gone through, you know, and so you take care of, you know, your, your own. So it, it's lot like you said, it's logic. It makes sense. Nothing's wrong with exactly. it. Exactly. And that's why it's important that we teach ours how to be business owners, um, you know, and entrepreneurs. But I wanted to point when you said that about education and how you get all these degrees and and you still your struggle and you you know what I mean and it's not you know progressing in the you know in the way that you'd want it to I had did some research about the American school system you know because I had questions sitting in these classrooms from being a, a child a student up until being you know a teaching and I noticed a lot of things were just way off but as I did the research and found out that Rockefeller is the one that created this whole, you know, this whole thing, theory of factory workers. And he stated himself, he did not want a world full of thinkers. He wanted a world full of workers, factory workers. 
and school is set up from the pavilion bell that rings and everything and to this day as if it was a factory from how we tell kids how to sit and just the you know just the the ongoing things and I thought about it and I said wait that is crazy because they don't we're not creating thinkers you know what I mean we tell them what to think we tell them what to do we tell them like you said get it you know preparing you to get a job but not to to become like an owner of anything you tell them what to think you don't teach them anything about finance finances you know can't have kids coming out of college or anything or school high school financially literate you know because they got to rack up some debt and so it makes a lot of sense why you know this is that we have to step out and teach our kids how to you know beyond just the regular educational system we have now but beyond what they're not teaching right i agree i agree yeah. with you um I think uh, you got to realize that um, we have a system of cultural conditioning and you have to look at how this country was. Uh, remember, America was an agricultural. Um, we were an agricultural uh, economy. So when you look at kids in school, when you look at uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, Brandy. I know you're a teacher, but check this one out. When you look at children and you say, hey, I'm taking it where it's time for summertime, summer break. Well, remember, because America was an agricultural country, the school year was designed to fit the harvest of planting and harvesting the fruits and vegetables. So when kids were given uh, a summer break, as we call it, well, that was really originally designed so that the kids could have that, so that the family would have time for their kids to be able to pick the harvest when the food, would, when the fruits and the vegetables would be ready to be picked. So you had to give kids time after school or time away from school for a while so that they could help the family on the farm. Mm. that's where this whole summer school stuff comes from. If you look at the school year fits the agricultural calendar of this country. Wow. That's what, because America and many countries before we had the industrial revolution was fueled by the industri the uh, agricultural revolution. That's what, uh, that's what, that was the innovation. That's what really put, that's what really got America its first baby steps. And then it was the Industrial Revolution that really took America to a whole nother level. Wow. Because uh, because uh, when you think about it, like, for example, my father on my side of the family, they come from North Carolina. My father comes from a huge family. It was very normal if you were a farmer, both white or black. To and plus, they didn't have a lot of uh, you know, comf they didn't have birth control in those days. It was very common for people to have large families of children, and you would put those kids to work on the farm. Wow. That, that. <laughs> right, right, for, for, no for, for, like for example, <laughs> I give you an example, and, I, and as I had a chance to examine the movie over the years. I've got some issues with the movie as I've had a chance to really 
examine it. But let's get, let's bring up the issue of color purple. Color purple was a perfect example of that. You had uh, my man, the actor, who's the actor who played in that movie, the main Danny Glover. Danny, Danny Glover, remember yeah. Danny Glover. That was during the time. That was a turn of the century. That was the 1900s, right? Turn of the century time. I believe no turn. Yeah, that was around the turn of the century. I think that was around the turn of the century. Yeah. Um, where you had little cars and stuff like that. Oh, what what, what let's, let's let's get a depiction. Danny Glover's character was a black man who owned a farm. There were black people who had their own farms even way back in the 1900s, believe it or not, even with all the racism and prejudice that was going on. But he owned his own farmland, right? And remember, he had, you know, he was doing his messing around. He was messing around, but he had all he had kids. And those kids were working at farm. And then remember, there were scenes when he said, there ain't no kids around here no more. There ain't no life on this farm. His 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 Paul came to visit him and he was like, what's going on with you? This farm is out of control. You got the chickens running around. He was like, there ain't no life here no more. Ain't no laughter. Ain't no kids. Ain't no nothing here, right? Because everybody grew up and left his ass because he was a bad person. His kids didn't want nothing to do with him. Hopper was his name, right? He went off and built his, got married to over Winfrey's character and built his own Jew joint. But what I'm saying to you is, yeah. But what I, but, but my basis is, is that color purple gives you examples of what I'm talking about. People had farms. People had lots of kids and they put those kids to work on that farm. And so that's why I don't like when I hear people talk about, well, black folks is lazy. Bull crap. Black folks been working all our life. Our forefathers been working all their life and we're working our, we're working our asses off even today. Yep. Most, most black people Men and women get out here and we work. And even if we don't have a traditional job, we'll even hustle to do what we got to do. But not all of us are shiftless and lazy. And that has been the stereotype. That's why I do not like when other immigrants come here and they'll say, oh, the Mexicans, they work so hard. They're so hardworking. First of all, it was black people who worked in the fields picking tomatoes and all these things uh, before some of these folks even got over here to be doing that. Uh, I bet you didn't even know this, uh, Sister Brandy. They taught us in school that the Chinese built the railroad. That's a lie. Most of the railroads were built in this country before the Chinese got here. This is what happened. Black people built most of the railroads in the east, in the southern areas, in the north. And then we had this place called the West Coast, California, right, where it was still kind of wild, wild west out here. They brought the Chinese over to complete the rest of the railroad that was already laid down by black men in particular doing that kind of work. You hear what I'm saying? Wow. But they'll tell you and me in school, well, it was the Chinese. No, the Chinese finished up some of the leftover work that was in the West Coast as black people start to move out of doing railroad work. You get what I'm saying? Just just like when black people were doing all the agricultural labor under slavery and out of slavery called sharecropping. And as soon as we did what? 
Going back to W.E. Du Bois, you see, I always make things make sense. Going back to W.E. Du Bois, he talked about get education. So black people that were traditionally working in agriculture were saying, I want my son not to be no sharecropper. I want my son to be a doctor, a lawyer, anything but to work with his hands like my hands are tore up right now. And so black people start buying into the upper mobility of education because they did not want their kids doing hard labor like them. And once black people got education and elevated ourselves out of doing agriculture work as America became more industrialized, what happened? They had to replace us with somebody else to do the job because we were no longer wanting to do that damn job anymore. And what did they replace us with? Well, here comes the Mexicans. Here comes the Filipinos that came over. You get what I'm saying? I want to ask you your take on some of some <laughs> of black people that that that's pushed that same narrative you know as far as black people we don't do anything and and i know you probably had quite a bit of sh share of these types of well <laughs> i'll say it like this you have black conservatives black people that consider themselves Republicans and you have black people that consider themselves a Democrat Democrats. What I notice about some black conservatives, not all, but some is that a lot of times they're being used just to talk about what's wrong with the black community. But when you look at the Republican party, you have to ask yourself as a black Republican, if you are out there listening, what power positions are black Republicans in within the Republican party? Why is it that the Republican Party isn't pushing forth a black candidate to be president? If I'm not mistaken, it was Michael Steele who was the head of the RNC. And when he wanted to be his own man, guess what the Republican Party did to him? They pushed him out, which is why he retired from politics and he decided not to be a Republican anymore. What I'm saying to you is what they do is with some conservatives like a uh, a Larry Elder who's in Los Angeles he's always talking about black folks like a dog what's wrong with us we're this we're that what they do is they use these type of black conservatives because there's different types as political shield they use them as the attack dog so that we can't say see the Republican Party is racist they get black people that are Republicans who have very little respect for us as black for their own people to talk negatively about us so that it doesn't come off as racism. And then black conservatives that talk about us in this way, they will hide behind the notion of, Oh, I'm giving a critique. I'm just giving a critique of what's wrong with the black community. Come on now, man. And I'm giving this critique because if we would just do a, B and C, we wouldn't have these problems. So the Republican Party uses the black conservatives who talk about black people to push the ideology about black on black crime when we be, when any time a black person is killed by cops. Now, I always have a problem with that term. Why? Because I know statistically and I know from experience dealing with guys in the prison system that every racial group, Brandy and everyone listening, listen Every racial group preys on each other. Where I live at currently right now, 
in the general general geographical area that I live in in California, they we have there's Asian gangs. Guess what? The Asian gangs prey on Asian people. They know that in their culture that the older elders will leave money in the house. So they do what? Home invasion. Okay. When white people commit crime, like let's see, they do things like plot the murder of their wife, plot the murder of their husband. Uh, the they're involved with a lover, and he says, "Take your husband out so you can get all the money." I mean, you see it all the time on um on cable TV where they have that show on channel on whatever that channel is where they have that the channel talks about crime and all the they reenact the stories of crime. Well, the majority of those stories, if you ever notice, are white people. Although they tell you and me that black people commit all the crime, right? So what I'm what I'm telling you is that every racial group commits crime on each other. I ev- almost every white guy that I come across in my work, his crime is against other white people. Black people are against other black people. The reason why it looks disproportionate when it comes to black people is because our population is lower than other groups, meaning in, co- in comparison to white people. So then you'll have black conservatives that'll say, see, see, what's wrong with black people? You're, you're shooting each other. You're killing each other. Wait a minute. What about the white woman and the white man that plots death on their wives? What about the white man that goes out there on Christmas Day in, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and he blows something up? What about the Timothy McVeigh? What about the white men who joined militias? What about the white people who stormed the Capitol building just a few weeks ago? Wasn't that wasn't that white on white crime <laughs> before your eyes? Yeah, very true. And we all see it before our eyes. But as soon as somebody speaks, a whole that's what we we focus in on. Like yeah, yeah. When we actually see what you just explained, we can all. That's right. See this. Hmm. But we choose to believe. I guess that shows that what you're more willing to to believe. Or right. Well, don't get me wrong. In, within black society, we do have problems. We do have um, too many. We do have problems where we have black males doing harm to each other. We have black males doing harm to black women. Just the other day ago, there was an article in the garden talking about the toxicness of this red pill phenomena that's going on. And if you see it on YouTube, you see it where you have men talking about their red pill and what's happening, it's translating to the larger society. There was a young lady, uh, you might have heard about this story. If not, you should check it out. She was going to the store after work to buy a bottle of wine. One of the young men that was, it was two young men that came into the store. I guess one of them wanted to buy her drink for her. And she said, no, thank you. That's okay. I can buy my drink myself. No, thank you. He didn't like that. He took a, He took exception to that. And he beat her and he by he bit her and the whole nine yard. Yeah, because it wasn't this is what the deal is. It wasn't so much that he didn't like the fact that she turned down he by him buying her a drink. I think really he saw it as she was turning him down. Because she prob he probably yeah. thought, okay, I'm gonna buy her this drink, and then what I'll do when I give her the buy the drink for her. I'll try to spit my shot and see what her name is and blah, blah, blah. So, and so these type of black men out here that do this type of harm and black women who do harm as well out here, 
they're giving us a bad name. Yeah. Now, the question is, why couldn't he have just said, okay, if she said that's okay, why couldn't he just moved on about his way? Because he took it as a rejection of him as a man. An extreme, in an extreme because, too. <laughs> you right. know, even feeling that rejection. Right. Like, because it could have happened this way, Brandy. <laughs> Let's say she would have said, "Oh, okay, thank you. Okay, I'll accept that. You can buy the drink for me. I appreciate that." Now, let's say he paid for the for the for the for the for the drink or for the liquor, whatever she brought, wine. I think it was wine. And let's say she says thank you to him, and she walks out the store. And as she walks out the store, he walks behind her, and let's say he says, "Hey, what's your name?" You know, let me get your number. And what if she would have said, well, what if she would have said, well, no, I don't give my number out. Uh, no, I'm in a relationship. No, I'm not interested on that level, but I thank you for buying me the wine. Guess what? He probably would have still did harm to her because he still would have took it as a rejection. Yep. Right, right. <laughs> and so we can't have our ladies, we can't have young ladies in our communities being afraid to go out in front of black men and think, man, will they harm me? Because what happens is yeah. black men who are a black man who truly wants to do something, um, you know, respectful to a black woman, that black woman might think, Oh, I can't, this guy's going to hurt me. And you might have a brother who's got his mind on, right? Simply wants to do a good deed for his sister. And that's it. He ain't asking for nothing. Don't kind of those kind of fools like that. They mess it up for all of us who don't have mild intentions towards our women. Yeah. I think there are there are black women out there that are being protected by men, whether it be their husband. This is the thing. If if I'm married or I'm in a relationship with someone then I have responsibility as a man to protect my wife or the person that I'm involved with. Not every person, for example, there have been situations where black men have stepped in to get involved in a situation that a sister has put herself in and that black man ends up in jail or dead. Yeah. Because he got involved in something that he didn't know how how far, how deep it was. Do black women, women in general, deserve protection? Yes. There are those out there that are making it bad for those of us out there who do give protection. I'll bring up another example to you that's very disappointing to me. There was a Korean-owned beauty shop somewhere in the country a couple of years. I think this happened maybe two years ago, maybe a year ago where black women were, were treated poorly by the uh, store owners. So black men went up there and they went rough shop and said, how dare y'all do blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? You know, there was damage to the property. Soon as the Korean beauty store opened up again, black women were in line, ready to go back in there. And when black men came out there to protest the place, you had black women out there waiting in line to go in there and were arguing with the brothers. And brothers are like, wait a minute, now we're trying to give you protection. What is this? So I'm saying it could go, it, it can go both ways sometimes. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah. 
Very true. Mm, mm, mm. Like you said, we have our problems we do need to deal with within our own, you know, community. Very much so. Yes. So, so many. many. <laughs> and, and hey, and thank goodness to your show, the Information Speaks um, podcast, and your your YouTube channel because you bring you shed light and truth on these topics, and uh, I totally love the fact that you have this because this is where you can get you know uh-huh. truth <laughs> and, and you don't cook you don't sugarcoat either so that's definitely why i love it and, and happy that you came on here to uh definitely for my listeners you know that many possibly haven't even you know heard your show that i'm pretty sure now will check it out you know now that hearing you and what you speak about so uh, that's something that I'm really excited about. Oh, I appreciate about. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I'm going to say it again. We're not without our faults. We do have issues that we need to work through. I think every group of people have issues that they have to work through. And I think yeah. it starts, everything starts with family. That is the basis of everything. We've got to get back to a more family orientation in a way we move out here. We have to get back to realizing that when I go out into the world, I'm not just representing myself, but I'm representing my family, my loved ones. I've got to represent myself to the best of my ability. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Family rooted. Mm hmm. Well, I am very grateful for you to you for coming on and sharing, you, you know, the topics and hitting on some very important things and sharing your show. With well, I definitely friends. appreciate that. Any we can do it anytime. Um, I know it took a while to go ahead and do this one, but um, I have no problem with coming back and uh, getting into other many topics and issues and, um, you know. And just to let everybody know, too, just for everyone to know, particularly for my YouTube channel, I, I do talk about political, social, and cultural issues, but I also do educational things. Like I have a video on my channel talking about vitamin D, the importance of that. So I do I do, do uh, content that does get into solutions and content that does that's educational about your health, your mind, your spirit, and body. So I, that's why I go by the name Information Man, because I, I hit you with all different types of uh, content. So I want to leave you. I want to leave you with that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I know you do those ones where you have guests come on and they talk about like, you know, people that have YouTube channels and stuff and how you could, you know, um, make make it better or the things you can do to, you know, upscale your show and and all that stuff, too. So, yeah, that, your title is fitting. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, if you could on our way out here, if you can hit them, hit all the listeners once again mm-hmm. where they can. Okay, find no you. problem. This once again, so ladies grateful. and gentlemen, this is the Information Man Speaks podcast. You can hear my podcast pretty much everywhere. SoundCloud. Um, let's see, we got a uh, 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 SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast. Spotify is one of my favorite. I'm on Spreaker. I'm on Anchor as well, just like you. I just Anchor is just not my home base of my podcast, 
but I do upload over on Anchor. I do have a page. You can look that up. I do uh, load up uh, content on Buzzfree as well. Uh, I'm just everywhere. If you put my name in the search engine on Google, I'm very Googleable. Now, this is the deal. I didn't mention this too. I have a, I have two YouTube channels. I do have a podcast YouTube channel, but you get different content on my YouTube version of my podcast. It goes by the same name, Information Man Speaks Podcast. So if you go to, if you go to the traditional, um, podcasting platforms like stitcher i'm on tune in as well all of that stuff you will find different content completely than what's on the youtube version of my podcast okay so that's two different things there then my main youtube channel is information man show and over there i do live commentary i go live i bring guests on we go into it we hit the heavy issues on that channel uh, that's a channel that I've been on for, I've been using for a long time. I built that channel up. I got about right now. I got about 10,000 subscribers, 10,000, about 10,300 something now. So it's growing steadily, uh, little by little. And I want to think, I want to ask everybody to come on over and subscribe to all those different platforms. If you can, or any of the platforms that you can find me on would be great. Okay. And I, I, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast, wherever you are in the world, and I want to thank you, Brandy, for bringing me on board to talk to you. This has been fantastic. Yes, yes, I've enjoyed it very much so. And thank you once again. And you're welcome here <laughs> anytime. That sounds great. That anytime. sounds great. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. And definitely check, check them out. Uh, a lot of information and you won't you won't be disappointed <laughs> so this is brandy J, and this is my show voices of courage walk the talk have a good night have everybody good peace night peace thank you again for tuning in to this episode here i had a great time and please definitely go and check out information man speaks podcast and all of his platforms that he is on. I will definitely put them in the notes and you can definitely find any information that is needed. Thank you once again to my listeners. You guys are amazing and I couldn't do this without you. So I appreciate you very much though. From me, Brandy J, Voices of Courage, Walk the Talk. Enjoy your evening. Peace out.